0: This episode is brought to you by CEP Compression Australia. CEP Compression Apparel gives the user more energy, greater endurance, and enhanced performance during activities. For a discount at CEP, code use the online, following code CEP, online, CEP local C- legends in running. Local Legends in Running podcast, where you hear the stories from local legends of Australian running that you simply always wanted to hear. Today, Today in episode, episode 26, 20. I interview Australian runner and coach Pat Carroll. Pat almost needs no introduction. He is that well renowned in the local community, country, and world for his contributions to the sport. Nevertheless, I'll go ahead and list off some stats that demonstrate his amazing achievements in running. Today, Pat stands as the fourth fastest Australian marathoner of all time, with a time of 2.09.39 and the current record holder for the fastest ever half marathon on Australian soil at 61.11. After retiring, Pat founded the Pat Carroll Running Group, commonly known as PCRG, which was one of the first running groups in Brisbane at the time. PCRG has had up to 150 plus runners at sessions and is still thriving today with Pat coaching three sessions a week and hundreds of athletes online. Unfortunately, in this interview, the recording of the initial five minutes of introductions and greetings was lost. Pat and I simply spoke about his recent high attendance at PCRG, my father being a part of his first ever session back in the early 2000s, and his passion for playing the guitar away from running. I do start with asking Pat about his family and location of a residence, as opposed to the initial introductions as mentioned earlier. It was a real privilege to have this opportunity to talk to one of our greats, so I hope you enjoy listening to Pat talk all things marathon, PCRG, and simply reminisce on the stories from his professional running days. Hey, just, uh, just tell us a bit about where you're living and your family too. a bit of background for the listeners. Yeah,
1: I live in Camp Hill and uh, I was brought up in Camp Hill. So uh, it's not, yes, I, I did leave home, but uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, brought up in Camp Hill and um, uh, lived uh, in the family home until I was um, uh, probably about 20, early, early 20s. And uh, anyway, moved around all over the shop. I spent the best part of uh, eight years in Canberra, went down to Canberra for the Institute of Sport in uh, 88, moved back to Brisbane uh, before 2000 and been living back here since, and I've come back to
0: Camp Hill, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and family-wise, you mentioned grandkids.
1: Yeah, so uh, family, I've got uh, um, three brothers. One passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, and, uh, that was John. Um, so two other brothers, uh, and, um, I've got two kids, uh, and one of them was married last weekend oh. or the weekend before and, Congratulations. um, Tim, thanks mate. And, uh, I've got a daughter and she's married with two, two kids. So I've got two grandkids.
0: Oh, that's excellent, mate. Hey, uh, we'll get to some of these achievements and PBs before we get to questions, just to outline, like, you know, you're you're one-off, if not the most renowned runners in Australia and obviously around the world, but I'll list out some of these. I actually did a bit of a search and your, your PCRG website gave me a massive hand as to some of these as well, that um, also that I hadn't been aware of as well. Happy for me to read them out? Yeah, go for it, yeah. Excellent. So... You are the fourth fastest Australian marathoner of all time. So there's only six that have gone under. We mentioned Brett Robinson the other month as the sixth in, I think that was about 20-ish years ago, Lee Troop had recorded a sub 2.10, is that correct? Yeah, in
1: Berlin, I think, yeah. Yeah. Truby ran, t- ran on 2.10 twice. Yes. Once in London, once in London. Once in Berlin.
0: Yeah, so you won the 95 Bepu marathon with that time, 209 to 39, is that correct? yeah and then to proceed on to others so you still hold that all comers record for the half which is fantastic it's an amazing feat on australian soil Sixty-one, eleven. we do know brett's gone sub uh, an hour but that was overseas four-time winner of the gold coast marathon 83 84 88 97 two-time winner sydney half 94 96 this one was interesting that i read member of a silver medal australian team at the 93 World Half Champs, awarded the Australian Sports Medal, I read, on your website too. So what's that one about?
1: Uh, yeah, basically, I think it was in around about 2000, uh, Athletics Australia nominated certain people to get an award, and, um, and I was nominated. I'm not sure how many people were, were nominated, but uh, I was just one of the people that Athletics Australia put forward uh, so basically, I think your association nominated you. Uh, they rehashed it again, I believe, this year. Uh, and uh, everyone in the Commonwealth Games team received one. So, you know, it's not like um, an OAM or anything like that. Um, I think it was more, maybe a little bit more prestigious, maybe back in 2000, because I think it might have been you were sort of selected by your association, whereas this year, it was more everyone who went to the Commonwealth Games uh, received the Australian Sports Medal. Yeah.
0: Right, right. Uh, yeah, moving along, yeah. finished top eight at three Commonwealth Games. Those three, what years were they across? Were they in the 90s? Uh, yeah, would
1: have been 90, 94, and 98. Yeah.
0: And, um, New Zealand, um, uh, Canada, and KL. Yes, yeah, 91 crossy champ as well. Hadn't known you'd run much cross-country in your time. Was that a bit of a one-off or you did, did you do a bit of that back in the day? Yeah, I went to four world cross-country championships. Yeah. 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 It, so, it, um, yeah, ran ran cross-country a lot, yeah. And uh, twice runner-up in Sydney, Sea to surf. Hey, who beat you in those two? Uh, minor when he broke the record and a
1: yeah. um, uh, uh, South African guy, John Murapiti, yeah.
0: Yeah, and of a bit course, super super uh,
1: super. John Morapetti had a yeah. on himself. He had a um, he had a diamond implanted into his front tooth.
0: <laughs> really? Yeah. Bit of a was, yeah, that, anyway. was that purely aesthetics? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's a bit of a, <laughs> a glamour boy. That's okay. Uh, and of course, uh, with that marathon time, still the quickest uh, within Queensland too. Uh, PB wise, so this is what I was astonished about, your ability over the shorter stuff. So reading a 1500 metre time of 339 as well. So to see that along with the marathon time seems to, to make you quite versatile. What I'm interested to know about though is that 10K, although very quick at 3128 at Noosa, I'm seeing that in 2002, is that that would probably be a standout as a weaker one. Uh, I think you would agree to that, yeah? Soft. So what, what's going on with the 10K? Soft, the
1: right word. <laughs> yeah, um, never really enjoyed 10K on the track. Uh, mm. And um, I, I had this issue with, um, I would um, so, have had trouble with the bends. So I'd train really badly on the, on the bends. So when I'd go around a bend, I would, um, like on my spikes, I'd almost be running on the side of my spike. You know, rather than flat-footed when I go around the bends, like my spikes always had the 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 red from the from the track, the tartan on the, the outside. on the actual on the outside, like the 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 uh, the actual shoe. You know what I mean? Rather than so I was pronating every time I went around a bend. So every time I came to a bend, I got I go, oh god, here we go again, sort of thing. So um, I'm more of a straight line type guy. So I could get away with it over uh, 5k. Um, obviously shorter, 1,500, 3K, but but yeah, 10K, I really struggled with um, the bends on the track.
0: And what event was that at Noosa, September 2002?
1: Um, yeah, that was when I ran 28. No, I ran 28 uh, in uh, Japan. So um, that might, I'm not sure where you got the Noosa yeah, one. Yeah, this is
0: no... IAAF profile. Yeah, <laughs> this is what I like to confirm. So go on, what's, what's the no, go with that no, time there? The,
1: Yes, yeah, so I ran, uh, it was an Ekkedon. So uh, I went over to Japan, um, representing Australia in an Ekkedon uh, a number of times. So I, one of the times I ran the first leg, which was 10K and I ran 28 flat, which is my best time for 10K, 2800 is what I ran for the first leg of the Ekkedon.
0: Yeah, that sounds that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> mm, yeah. And I've seen yeah. 28.32 for ten thousand on the track in Canberra nineteen eighty-eight back in my birth year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think I I think I did actually run twenty-eight thirty dead somewhere.
0: So I think twenty eight thirty is my P
1: B for 10 on the track.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we mentioned the half two, 3,747.66 back in 1990 in Sydney, 1325.49 yeah. in Melbourne, 91 the year after. And yeah. what else is on here? 15K in Perth. So I'm wondering what that event too is, 1989, 43, 54.
1: Yeah, so we beat there. Um, now they have the Australian Half Marathon Championship, whereas back in the day it was uh, 15K was the um Australian Road Championship. So uh the half marathon wasn't really an event. The half marathon probably only came into being an event uh you know with regards to a championship. I don't know, but it wasn't it wasn't always that. It was uh it was it, it was initially 15K. So um it was 15K, 15, 15k, then all of a sudden they it changed from 15K to the half marathon. So when I whatever whatever event you're talking about there was when I would have run in the Australian Road Championship, which would have been a 15k. Whereas now it's it's half marathon.
0: Yeah. Yeah, okay. So what looking back at all these PVs and achievements for you, Pat, what what sits what sits the the most proudest achievements amongst are those?
1: Uh well, I mean I every all my PVs I won. So I was first um uh in the event for all my PBs. Um, So you know it's pretty pretty uh, pretty cool when I um, won them all, won the races and and ran a PB also. Um, you know the 1500. It was uh, a Grand Prix meet in Canberra, and at the time that was um, an all comers record for Canberra. So at that time, I mean I was a marathon runner, but I came and I and I and I ran the fastest time ever run in Canberra for 1500 meters, which was 3:39. When I ran 7:47. That was a lar- at a large um, Grand Prix track meet in Sydney, which I won and um, uh, beat Jovis Ondoyuki and um, Gary Staines and Andrew Lloyd, a number of other people. And when I ran that, I was the second fastest Australian. I just missed uh, Ron Clark's Australian record, uh, at the t- which was still current at the time. So when I ran 7.47, I was the second fastest Australian all time, 10K, soft. I, I, I don't deny that at all um, the half the half marathon uh, yeah I just you know had a great day um, I've often told the story that I was running along and I got away it was a two lap course and I got away from Mona after the first lap and a uh, camera car came up beside me and um, he said um, how you feeling mate and I said um, I feel um, bleep bleep fantastic uh, the only thing that stopped me I not think it stopped me going any faster. I was I can't move my can't move my legs any quicker, so I was my breathing was just priceless, you know, and I just just couldn't move my legs any quicker. So around 61.11 over over a tough course, so two laps around Sydney City, which is a hilly course. So um, yeah, 61.11 over the hills in Sydney, times two. Uh, when I won um, Beppu in two nine, um, yeah, I mean it was just uh, another great day. Um, conditions weren't sensational but still ran fantastic I had a ding dong battle over the last um, 10k with the um, German guy Stefan Freigang who got the bronze medal at the Olympics um, three years earlier and um, Densimo, the world record holder for the marathon was in that race also so um, yeah but I had a ding dong you know almost like Deke and Shahanga thing in Brisbane, I had that with um, the German guy over the last 10k and I broke away, and um, my last 5K was under 14 minutes, which was pretty quick for back running for back then. So um, that was um, that was pretty special, yeah. But, and you know, uh, my Gold Coast,
0: my Gold Coast wins are always, always all pretty special, also. Yeah, yeah, lo- local wins, I guess. Hey, and how what mm. was the course like? Both for Sydney, like is that the same course as now, as part of the half, and also the Japan course? Was that how many hills were in that? or was it a flat course? Uh, Sydney, yes, Sydney or, either or, yeah. Sydney first, yeah.
1: Yeah, you can't you can't run two laps around Sydney City without um, yeah
0: without it being a, without it being a hilly course.
1: So um, it's not the same course as now. Uh, back when I won, it uh, started underneath the Harbour Bridge, went past Pier One, went up Hickson Road, um, all the way to the end, and chucked a left, went through Hyde Park, went down to Mrs. Macquarie's Chair. And then, when you got to Mrs. Macquarie's chair, you turned around and climbed all the way back up to the art gallery. And from the art gallery, uh, you chucked a right down Macquarie Street, uh, down to the um, Opera House, and went along um, uh, past um, Circular Quay, went through Circular Quay uh, back to Pier, uh, back past underneath the um, Harbour Bridge, and did that twice. So, you know, Hickson Road's pretty, pretty lumpy. There's a large climb from Hickson Road up to Hyde Park, which I, which at the time, I think it's called, actually I was running beside Mona. and it's actually called Ballarat Street or something. It's something, or Bendigo, was some sort of significance when I was running beside Monarch when we are going up this road. But anyway, that was a long, sharp uh, climb, uh, pretty flat when you got through Hyde Park. You, you drop down to Mr Macquarie's Chair, which is not too bad, but big climb from Macquarie's Chair. So tough, it was a tough course, and, and that was twice, so two laps of that. So oh, it was, yeah. you know, it was a sensational run. Even Mona said at the time, he, "I mean I've got something up here on my brag shelf where Mona said, um, it was the greatest run by anyone on Australian soil, like any run, any run. I mean, most No actually he said it was the most underrated, that's right, the under most oh, underrated, Yeah yeah most and- underrated. Because of the time, um, uh, Heather Turlin, she won the women's that day, and she sort of stole my limelight a little bit because um, uh, she was an, uh, an unknown mum of 100 kids who uh, came out and um, won the half marathon, so um, that's okay. Lovely lady and all. Uh, but, yeah, so that was pretty special. But, yeah, like the Gold Coast ones, um, you know, maybe uh, my last uh, Gold Coast one when I um, uh, beat uh, past Gert Ties who um, uh, went out at world record pace. I passed him with um, uh, 300 metres to go. I mean, that was, that was pretty special. So a lot of, lot of memories.
0: And the thing too is, at your time of running, you know, these Gold Coast events, what was the world record for the marathon in, you know, in respect to your 209, 210 and any runs near that time? What was the world record?
1: Yeah, okay. So when I ran 209.39, um, I mentioned before, Densimo was in the race. And uh, he had um, he had the world record, and the world record was two six fifty. So he, uh, so I was three minutes off the world record when I ran two nine thirty nine.
0: Yeah, see, so it's what we often forget. You know that that's that's someone these days. If we're you know comparing it, running a, a two oh three compared to Kipchoge's two. So I think the, we often forget that gap, Pat. too. not just the significance of a sub two ten, but the the gap. Uh, as small as that that you had to some of the fastest runners out there, I think was amazing,
1: yeah, I, I don't know if that's a fair comparison. I mean, you know the the Africans uh, you know there's a lot more Africans in it now, yeah, um so so there's a lot more um, uh, you know really good African runners that are running the marathon. I mean, uh, it wasn't always the case back then it was it was more um. Uh, you know, with the Africans, the marathon was something that they turned to after they finished with their track and after they finished with their cross country. Whereas I think it started to be, you know, with the Africans that, you know, bang, you know, you're an 18 year old, 19 year old, you're going to be a marathon runner or whatever, you know? So then I think that, um, uh, led to the improvement. Um, uh, and, you know, along with, um, the doping and, um, so that that sort of made the um the standards sort of go through the roof
0: yeah yeah i agree yeah so let's get to uh your story anyway your upbringing pat and come back to the marathon and, and all things pcrg pcrg too hey so you're you're um where are we are exactly mm. born you said you're brought up in camp hill in brisbane yeah yeah
1: yeah yep. camp hill yep so yeah. i lived there
0: till i was um in my early 20s yeah yeah, and where were you born exactly? Which hospital? Yeah, Royal Brisbane. Royal yeah. Brisbane.
1: Oh, hang, on, no, hang on, hang no, on. No, 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 no. Man, <laughs> no. So Southside. So I was a Southside boy. So Southside boy, you went to um, the Martyr. Mount Marta, the Martyr. I said Mount Oliver. Martyr. Uh, Southside, Southside, you went to the Martyr. Northside, you went to Royal Brisbane. So you would have won the Royal Brisbane. Northside, yeah? Yeah, absolutely,
0: yeah. Yeah, Ashgrove. yeah. which yeah. side of the river you lived yeah. on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: So, yeah,
0: which one so, into. so your early days then what were your parents into were they into running at all or physical activity or sport what sort of things led led you into the sport and then also like the primary school influences as well there pat
1: yeah no um my parents weren't uh, in the maybe uh, social game of tennis uh but that's about as far as it, it goes my dad might have played football in his um uh early life but uh that's certainly would it stopped um when he was in his um, 20s, I'd say. So dad didn't do any sport, any activity at all. Lawn bowls, if you call lawn bowls a sport, I um, mean an active sport. I mean, it's a great sport, don't get me wrong. Um, but uh, um, not, not a physical sport. So as far as physical stuff goes, no, dad didn't do anything um, for the last 30 years, of 40 years of his life. Mum played a social game of tennis up until um once a week up until she couldn't play a social game of tennis anymore so so mum might have played um you know maybe into her 50s social game of tennis once a week yeah but that was typical of um uh you know the the era that i um mm. you know lived in like my parents um so you know your your dad was very active but uh that that sort of maybe started sort of the next generation after me Uh, whereas, um, you know, when I went through, you know, looking back and I, and I've often thought about this, um, my, my, my parents, friends, none of them were active and that was typical of that generation. Social game of tennis is as far as Mm. the majority, majority of that generation went. And, um, so I was sort of, um, you know, uh, as a, um, I started off as a jogger, all right? And um, and you you wouldn't really before I started uh, jogging the roads around Camp Hill and Brisbane City, uh, it wasn't a common thing to see people out running. And 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 I even had people throw shit at me, like fruit and whatever. Like you know, you bloody idiot, what do you think you're doing? You know, and you, next thing you know, you got an apple coming your way or something. You know, so it was so uncommon that um, uh, people would people would throw shit at you. Out of their cars (laughs) or or heckle you, you know, because and which, which you know, didn't bother me. I thought, oh, well, whatever, you know, but um, didn't stop me, you know, but uh, yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't unusual that to happen. So, yeah, even though C Dessert's been going for whatever number of years,
0: um, uh, you know, generally speaking, there, there wasn't a lot of people out running back when I started. Yeah, very different, isn't it? So primary school, where mm. did you attend for primary and, and how did running play a part of your time in, in primary school?
1: Yeah, uh, I went to St. Thomas's at uh, Camp Bill. So I you know, lived, literally lived 50 metres, 100 metres from the school. So I just have to walk up the road and I was at school. Uh, and um, so I was there until grade three uh, and that was run by the nuns. And then I went from uh, there to St. Lawrence's. So I started at St. Lawrence's in oh. uh, uh, grade four. Did you go to Ashgrove? You go to Ashgrove? Ashgrove, yeah. Ashgrove. The
0: lorry thing's uh, new to me. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah same so competition, to, yeah. Yeah, so I went to lorries in uh, grade four and uh, stayed there all the way through to grade 12. So um, sport-wise, I played rugby in my um, early years. And, uh, you know, at, you know, from when I was, like, Five or six, whatever. I played rugby at uh, East Rugby Union down at Bomely Park. Um, so I played that for a number of years, and then um, uh, then I played a little bit for school. Also, I, I would have played a fair bit for school. So all the way through primary, I would have played um, football uh, at uh, in my primary years, and I dabbled a little bit in cross country. So um, I made the school cross country team, you know, once or twice. Uh, uh, but up up until after about, um, say, uh, I don't know, year nine, I didn't, uh, wasn't involved in any sport at all. So, um, the last few years at school, uh, I didn't, I wasn't involved
0: in any sort of sport. Well, and what was, what was your build back then? Were you, were you a, a fairly strong built young man or no,
1: not really? No, I was not really. I was just normal build. Like, I wasn't, um, I wasn't carrying any weight, just a just a normal sort of build. Yeah. So when I um uh in the last sort of year or so, um, Bruce Lee was um uh very much active and making movies and and the the people the group of guys I was and friends with we were pretty we liked to go and see the Bruce Lee movies when they came out. So we would go and see the uh, the premiere of Enter the Dragon or whatever, and um, which is which is fantastic. I had a Bruce Lee poster on my wall at, at home. And um, so uh, I made a pact with myself that when I left school, I'd take up karate, which I did, and um, and lived and breathed it. Uh, but it wasn't karate, it was Taekwondo. So we did Taekwondo. So, um, and then I went to try, uh, I stopped doing Taekwondo, did another, did a form of karate. And um, anyway, cut long story short, I, um, I I used to do something every day. So if I didn't do karate, I'd go for a run because uh, just, just because I was, I wanted to keep active, wanted to be fit like Bruce Lee. I wanted to get a six pack like Bruce Lee. So I, um, so I, I used to work out um, every day and I even used to run with um, some sort of weights in my hands uh, to, um, you know, make it a bit harder. So uh, yes yeah, so i got into the running only because i was supplementing that for the karate anyway eventually i uh, gave karate the flick because i got a bit jack of um, driving and i found with the running i could just go out the door and i just just got a bit bit over sort of driving because the, the this actual karate place which um was really good was over at Albion and um, uh, you know there was local ones but but, you know, there's a lot of um, karate and, and taekwondo places that they just basically just take your money, you know, and, um, and, and it's just a money-making venture for them. So but I did find one over the north side, which was, which was not like that, but I got a bit jack of driving there. So um, just started running more because, uh, you know, it was easier, just run out the door, didn't have to drive somewhere, didn't have to wait for a class to start, whatever, you know, just straight bang out the door. So I used to um, just aimlessly run. And uh, I'd do, do silly stuff like um, I lived at Camp Hill. So I'd, I'd run uh, from Camp Hill. I'd run over to Story Bridge. Uh, I'd run through Brisbane City. From Brisbane City, I'd go out uh, Ipswich Road to uh, my grandmother's house at Maruka. I'd sit down and have a cup of tea with my grandmother at Maruka. And then I'd run from Maruka back to my mum's place at Camp Hill, all in a pair of Dunlop volleys, mind you.
0: Oh yeah. And, um, hey, many dirt yeah. roads back then too, around your area. Oh, come on, mate. I'm not that fucking, I'm not that old. That's what dad says out of Everton Park, mate. Everton Park had a few mm. dirt roads. No, nah, mate, come on. <laughs> we're
1: not, we're not talking, we're not talking horse and carts. Um, you know, I, I mean, you know, I didn't mean to mislead you by the, you know, no one else running and people throwing food at you. you know? <laughs> Um there were aeroplanes. <laughs> they were they and they had invented the wheel. Um but um yeah, so no no rhyme or reason to my running. And then um Deke was starting to come through and uh I was I was very much in awe of what Deke was doing and um so that basically changed my direction and um uh yeah just just sort of I don't know. I I um I saw him in the Commonwealth Games in uh, Brisbane in 82. And uh, at that point, I was still a, um, a very much a, an average runner with no, um, I do not even think I'd been in, a, in an event yet. You know, I don't even think I'd been in a fun run. So the first fun run I went in was, um, uh, they used to have this Warana fun run. And I was running through South Bank and there's all these people. And I, and I saw this fellow I knew, and I said, what's going on here? And he said, it's a fun run. I said, what's that? I said, well, going a bloody run, mate. Anyway, so I borrowed five bucks off him and um, I ended the, the Warana Fun Run, which was like 8K. And then after that, just ran home again, you know. So that was my first race, so to speak. And um, so uh, anyway, there was a, um, I used to go on the Brisbane Road. After that, I got, a, got into the Brisbane Road Runners and they used to run out at um, St. Lucia around the Queensland Uni so um i uh i used to go on the events out there which around a 5k circuit and one day i got talking to a group of guys there and they uh asked me to join their athletics club because there was a relay race coming up uh so uh, so i joined the athletics club and went in this relay race which was from caboolture to maloney and uh so you just ran certain legs of the relay and um you know, is is amazing You think back to those times because it's like, you know, cabalcha like no police, no nothing, just you know, on the roads, cabalcha off you go. You know, random random changeovers, no, um, uh, you yeah, know no road closure, trucks going past or whatever. Wow. You know, just here we go, just just make sure you just pray to God you get to Maloney, you know. <laughs> and um, so uh, that 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 went forever in a day the Caboolture, mate. So that was my first um, club run was uh these these fellas uh recruited me for this uh club run and um so then uh yeah i don't think i even knew uh, I, even then i didn't even know about the marathon because i um i think there might have been a trial might have been a trial race been a trial race for the commonwealth games over the i don't think i don't know if there was or not but anyway before the Brisbane Mar- Commonwealth Games marathon, I didn't know much about the marathon or didn't even know the marathon existed. So that was the first time that I sort of went to a marathon event. Was the Commonwealth Games in Brisbane '82? In anyway, cut long story short, <clears throat> that was '82 when I was an absolute hack and no direction. Might have done the Cobaltia Laney run relay. I don't know how you, what I ran there. Anyway, in '87, five years later, I was sitting on a plane beside Deke going to the World Cross Country Championships. So I made the World Cross Country Championships. So I went from zero to representing Australia in, that, um, uh, in five years. And, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, shit, I'm sitting beside Deke, you know. <laughs> and um, and uh, I said, mate, I said, we got talking or whatever. And uh, I said, you know, you're solely, solely responsible for me being here. You know, you won the Commonwealth Games in Brisbane. Inspired me started training whatever and uh here i am five years later on an australian team sitting beside you wow yeah yeah so um yes yeah, so i uh, obviously um uh, had a pretty quick sort of um transition from um weekend warrior to uh elite runner
0: and how'd you go initially yeah. like with all this running mentally and physically like were you did you notice you're recovering pretty well once you started running and you're running for long periods of time pretty quickly. Like would have been an hour to two hours. Like how were you going mentally out there running initially? Yeah.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Mentally fine. Cause, cause uh, you know, one of the reasons why I um, looking back that running appealed to me is um, it's just in my nature and it's something that was natural to me, you know? So it, it brought me a lot of peace and um, I felt really good after I, um, after I did it. So, I've always had that mm. feeling with um, with exercise, whether it be um, uh, paddling the kayak or um, running, is um, for my mental health. And even though I've never really struggled with my mental health, but uh, um, I uh, looking back now, I um, I think I've always been pretty good in that regard because I've exercised, mm. and um, that's been that's been my um, drug of choice. So really, I you know, pretty much probably got into running because um it the running I felt good when I ran. Yeah. So so um or after I finished. Any, anyway, but uh with regards to fatigue, no, I never felt tired, but I multiple injuries in the early days, like multiple stress fractures, tibia, fib, tib and fib, uh stress fractures um multiple times in my uh, lower legs uh from um just getting into it too hard too soon and a so, yeah, lot, lot of interest Initially, yeah so i yeah. went from yeah yeah so i went from um uh the donut volleys to kt26s and um i thought kt26s were unbelievable because they they like had this rubber that sort of spread as when you when you when you put your foot down so i was like it's like, you know, I thought this, these things are like bloody moon, like, like I'm running on the moon, you know, or whatever. So, um, uh, yeah, done up all these KD26s. And then, um, yeah, I don't know, maybe I started running and whatever. I don't know what, where I went from there. But um, uh, so, yeah, it's definitely uh, not, I definitely started off on the, um, the Kmart side of things rather than the um, in training, uh, you know. Uh, side of the um boutique running shoes yeah it took me a while to get into the boutique running shoes but uh having said that on um uh, 61 now and uh, i haven't bought a pair of running shoes since i was um in my early 20s mizuna still helped me out so um <laughs> yeah I haven't bought it haven't bought a pair of running shoes the best part of 40 years it's not which um which is pretty cool yeah so, so- um, yeah retired, retired Elite runner, but I still have some great people that still um, support me, and and um, and I'm happy to promote, you know, their brand.
0: Yeah. Oh, most definitely. So, so Pat, those those first couple of races on the uh, elite scene, so to speak, uh, what were they, and which ones sort of put you in a position to think that running was a was a thing for you to do professionally?
1: Um, yeah, I, I you know, like when I started. You know, at uh, Roadrunners, you know, I was coming in the 20s, you know, the 20K race or 30K race, whatever. And I'd, I'd finish in the 20s or 30s and then um, started finishing top 10 and started winning some of the Roadrunners ones. So, I, you know, I, I guess I never had – I didn't have a lot of confidence in the early days because I thought – I looked at the, the Brisbane level as being, you know, I'll never be that good sort of thing. And – um I remember one time, even when I was doing that, and I wasn't even at the Brisbane level, and uh, an auntie of mine gave me a tracksuit for Christmas and it was a maroon tracksuit, like a Queensland tracksuit. And I was embarrassed because I I sort of thought, there's no way in the world I can wear this thing. I'll I'll never bloody end up representing Queensland. You know, how can I be seen in public in this thing? So she bought me this tracksuit. So, um, but yeah, as time went on and I started winning races and um, uh, through the inspiration from Deke and whatever, I just started to get a really strong feeling in my gut that I was going to be okay at it. And um, uh, so I made a pact with myself in my early 20s that, um, uh, you know, one of my brothers was crook at the time. And um, and so from an early, early time in my life I had a, um, a very close um, uh, interaction with you know life and and how it's how we're not going to be here forever sort of thing big wake-up call from an early very early age and so then I thought well you know I'm not going to be here forever um, I'm going to use running as a way to be remembered so whether it's an ego thing or what what not, but I um, just was conscious of the fact that I was only going to have a couple of decades of youthfulness to work with. And uh, so I decided that I was going to just get in and, and um, because I knew one day that I would be talking to someone like yourself and I, and I'd be 61 years of age and, and, you know, totally impossible for me to get the most out of myself because your body starts breaking down and muscles get smaller and whatever so I knew this this day would come so in my 20s I was aware of this day right this, this day today where I am not now so that's why I made the most of the opportunity in my um, 20s and 30s because I wanted to uh, be my age now and look back and know that I'd go my best shot yeah. so, so I t- guess uh, yeah
0: yeah, so I guess talking about that, w- w- leading into those bigger achievements we mentioned earlier, what, what then would a training typical training week for Pat Carroll look like when you were making the most of it?
1: Uh, yeah, so I ran twice a day every day, uh, um, except for, jeez, uh, what was that? Maybe Friday, Monday, maybe. So uh, twice a day every day, uh, run, ran hard three times a week and the rest of the time just jogging. But uh always staying true to the long run. So all year round, just ran long on a Sunday. Uh so you know, two two hours forty, whatever, um rain, hail, or shine on a Sunday. And um yeah, just ran every day,
0: no days off unless I was injured. And who was guiding you then uh at that point in time, Pat?
1: Yeah, just I just uh followed what Deke was doing. So just, just ran like just ran like Dick, which is pretty much um, the same week multiplied by fifty-two. <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, unless you're um, easing up for a race, or unless you're recovering from a marathon, so uh, we kept it pretty simple back then.
0: And how about the hills too, Pat? Were you running a, a fair few hills specifically at the time, or was it naturally through the areas you were living that you're running over hills?
1: Uh, Long runs were always hilly, so um, uh, and always off road. So the majority of my running was off road. Uh, so the only time, once I went to Canberra, uh, maybe before Canberra, I ran a lot on the more on the roads and footpaths. But from Canberra onwards, which would have been um, uh, late 80s to um, 2000, uh, the only time I ran on the road if I was going to a park. Or if I was um, going to a running to a forest, or whatever. So it was only a means to get somewhere. It wasn't like I you would go for a specific road run. So uh, yeah, a lot of running on the on the. So when I was in Canberra, uh, we ran um, Stromo Forest and just ridiculously hilly, like stupid hills. Yeah, and we used to charge up the hills, and um, you know. Student was just it was just natural just you know up we go another hill you know it was didn't seem like hard work it just uh, it just we just got over the hills and just worked the hills and and um, and and you know didn't know what pace we we're running at just uh, just ran honest for um, you know thirty five k
0: yeah
1: and the same thing when I was in Brisbane I used to yeah so even before I went to Canberra and uh, certainly after I came home here from Canberra. I um, would uh, drive down Daisy Hill and sometimes meet some fellows for a run, but sometimes not. So I never had a problem with um, running for the best part of three hours by myself um, in Daisy Hill over the hills.
0: Uh, um, So, yeah, just always stayed true to the long run what about, so the, the three sessions you were talking about, was there any specific uh, reps over hills in those or any specificity in terms of uh, length, threshold versus interval training and that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, we do hill reps. So uh, we do hill reps over like 300 metres with job back, jog back down. Um, so that was, I suppose it was a few sessions we used to uh, um, mix, mix it around with. Uh, ran track all the time, so always ran, ran 400 metre reps like uh, eight 400s with a trying to jog, which works out to, um, I think, 4.8 K by the time you've done the session. So uh, regular one was, um, uh, yeah, 400 meter reps on the track, but we used to, the recoveries we used to keep pretty honest. So it was pretty much a a 4.8 K session with a little bit of a recovery every 400 meters. Uh, and uh, we used to do one mile reps. We used to do mile reps. Uh, we do like five one mile reps. Uh, we do one k reps. Um, and uh, those were those were in the forest or on the road. Uh, the one k or the one mile reps. And uh, on the Saturday we would um, we'd do uh, a hill session. So uh, maybe uh, twenty minutes of attacking some. Ridiculous Hills over Stromlo Forest. And then uh, once we'd finished the hills, the last 20 minutes, uh, we'd we'd run hard back to where we started. So it was like a threshold run after we did 20 minutes of hills. So um, that was typical of the um, three sessions a week. Uh, But I I, I used to do 1K reps until the cows came home um, uh, pretty much uh, week on, week off. But I run them really quick. Like um, you know, two thirty-five, two forty, whatever. But would never go past five. Always maxed out at five. One K reps. Uh, and um, so we never did any um, uh, tempo running uh, in training. Never did any uh, that sort of thing. It was basically um, all or uh, just jogging. Really fast you know, or slow. So. Uh, so so every session, every session was um, was pretty much balls out.
0: And, and how your uh, long run pace?
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Well, you know, pre pre sat navs, but uh, there was a time when I uh, was in Brisbane and uh, I was running long by myself and never didn't have a clue what pace I was running at. Yeah. And uh, and before I went home, I I thought, oh, I'll I'll run a kilometer. I'll run the lap of the QSA, um, you know, the old ANZ Stadium there, which is one kilometer exactly. I used to do one K reps around there. I've done I've done on oh, about hundreds, but I've done a crap load of reps around um, the ring road, QSA. Mm. Yeah, yeah, did years and years of one K reps around there. Anyway, so I thought, oh, before I go home, I'll just time myself and see when I'm running here and consciously didn't, didn't like, kick the pace off, whatever, just kept jogging. And anyway, 340, I ran three, I was running 340 per K um, for um, uh, that lap. So that was the pace I was running at in my long run. But yeah. I, you know, it just felt, it felt, it just felt normal. You know, it didn't feel, didn't feel stupid. Didn't feel like I was pushing myself. Just felt like, oh well, that's okay. 340. And even then it, it sort of didn't, um, I didn't think, Oh, geez that's a bit quick you know maybe I should slow these down or whatever I just went oh yeah fair 340 okay that's yeah, what that I do my question
0: how, how did you know it was a bad thing to do like why was there no thought to run them hard back then what knowledge did you have that you were like needed to back off a bit in the long run was it really to recover for that next fast session um, well uh, it was more we, we, we sort of looked
1: at it more of um, you know no we had a big thing about no super sessions we're We were very much into a culture of um, consistency and uh, and um, doing our very best to uh, just keep training and keep training and keep training. But, um, but having said that, you know three forty k pace is pretty honest pace for a long run back then. for mm. for uh, for a, for a even for an elite runner now, I don't think that they would run um, much quicker than that for um, a long run. So it was probably, it was probably I reckon it was getting close to the pointy end of what I should have been in, ideally involving for Pace. But we did, uh, and I did, um, you know, all the long runs were over, over a hilly course. So um, just getting over the hills was was a task in themselves, like ridiculously massive hills in Stromlo Forest back then. And even Daisy Hill. Daisy Hill's got some crazy Crazy hills in there. So uh yeah, just um just hilly long runs. So uh yeah, none of you know, I've sort of listened to uh Brett Robinson's podcast on occasion, not not often, but I listened to one recently. And um he I think he did I think he did 21k reps with 1k on, 1k off. I could be wrong. I might have, I thought that sounds a bit fast. But anyway, he so he did a 40k run, but every Second kilometer was like 250 marathon pace or whatever, which you know, good luck to him. You know, I, you know, that's fine if that if that's works for him. No, I'm not, I'm not, um, questioning what he does, but um, we didn't, and I didn't, I always talk weak because it's a trainer group. We didn't, uh, do any race pace running within our long runs, right? They're just the long run, just get out there, hang shit off each other, have muck around. Talk whatever, um, yeah. It was no sort of okay. Uh, we're going to run the next ten k at such and such a pace, or we're going to run, you know, close to half marathon pace for the next fifteen k or whatever. It was none of that. It was um, it was basically just a long run over the hills. And uh, but we used to race a fair bit, so uh, yeah. I always used to rely on my races as um, you know an indication as to how I was going and to use them as, um, you know, pre-fitness indicators leading into a marathon.
0: Yes. How many, what was the most marathons you did, for example, in a year to fit in around training?
1: Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I might've run four, maybe once. I'm not sure, but, uh, probably three was max. Yeah. Three would have been max.
0: Yeah. And then the longest long runs, were they consistently at the same distance or do they kind of ebb and flow seasonally through the year?
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, always, throughout the year. So the only time that uh, I wouldn't be going out for a, um, a two-hour, 40-minute long run was um, maybe if I was doing some track races uh, or or if I had a race the next weekend. But uh, majority of the year was, you know, even even right from the word go, I was locked into marathon mode. So, you know, you're a marathon runner, you, you're running long all year round, you know. So, uh, you know, Christmas Day, whatever. I don't care what day of the year it is. You know, out you get. You know, long run. You, you, you're a marathoner. That's what you do. So um, so we do thirty-five k in the morning, another eight or ten k. So I was running a marathon every weekend. So that's you know, thirty-five in the morning and eight or ten in the afternoon. So, uh, you know, I only ran um, only ran. You know, it's early mid twenty. Marathons, you know, I don't know, 23, 25 elite marathons, but um, marathon distance, uh, you know, let's let's say, um, you know, 52 weeks in a year, you know, maybe 40 weeks of that
0: year of each of
1: those 20 years, I ran a marathon every weekend.
0: Yeah, yeah. So how do you squeeze in races like? So 40 times, 40 times, 20. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, like, you know, yeah. anywhere from 1500 up to, to the half marathon, How'd, how'd you back up with long runs or sort of cater the training yeah, around so if the I, races? Yeah,
1: so if I was getting myself in track mode, then, then I wouldn't go past two hours. I'd still go for two-hour run on the weekend. But uh, your track mode um, would be um, uh, you'd drop the long run back for a couple of weeks or whatever, a few weeks, yeah. But uh, that's only during the track season, which was... And, you know, I wouldn't go on that many track races, maybe three or four track races, but I didn't, didn't compete in the track. A hell of a
0: lot, yeah, yeah. And what so it was it... always
1: it was always like there's always a consciousness there of when I was not running long. There was always like a guilt thing or a, or an awareness that you know I'm I'm giving up the long run here, you know. So uh, I know I keep banging on about long run, long run, long run, but um, that was just the culture we had back then. You know, if you're a marathoner, then you know you you're running long every week, you know. And midweek, midweek, we'd go for an hour 40, two hours, midweek.
0: Yeah, so would you pick the long run as the most important through the week? I know that can be a a pretty uh, basic question, but I mean, uh, you know, you want variety with the speed and long run, but uh, is that that what you would talk about too with your athletes, your coach, if they want to start to compete in halves and marathons, long run's very important?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a firm believer in the polarised training method. So, you know, polarized being you're either you're either going hard up here or you're, you're going easy down here there's no no middle stuff you know I'm not a big believer in the middle stuff I'm not a big believer in the um, you know doing a, a 10k tempo run um, I, I you know call me old school talk and call me caught stuck in the dark ages or whatever um, but uh, you know it's what worked for everyone in my era you know and um and you know here we are um, uh twenty plus years later, and uh there's not uh, a lot of Australians running better than what we did over the marathon you know? and uh so um there has to be some uh truth in the way we train uh and i I do know that 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 as um in a, in a sport, we, we need to develop and, you know, people uh, uh, do different studies and, and, and work out, well, hang on, this is um, the right way to go. And, and of course, what works for one person, you know, may not work for the other. But, but, you know, I basically just stay with what I know works for the majority of people, you know? And, um, you know, with we and once again, you know, when I, I do the online thing, and um, my whole sort of um, uh, way of thinking is all about trying to maintain some consistency rather than, um, you know, you know going hard and breaking down and there goes three or four weeks, you know, build up again. So, you know, try and keep under that danger line. Um, you know, in an ideal world, we'd have a crystal ball as to what's too much. And then you back off from that. But uh, it's not not the way it is. So um, yeah, some people can train harder than others. But you know, I, I always work around what the general sort of way to go
0: is. Oh yes, yeah. so if we stick on the marathon then, and the, and that particularly that that uh, men's side of the marathon, and you know, twenty years basically there between Brett and Lee Brett Robinson and Lee Troop uh, being under two ten. What do you what things can you think of that? they may not be doing that guys like yourself back then were I, I think if we talk about the hills for example pat do you think the athletes now are doing as, as many hills consistency you've just spoken about and that's not just week yeah, in week out. that's year I, after year after year yeah yeah
1: well i've i mean i have stuck my head in the door occasionally to listen to uh, how these guys train now right and um and, you know, not for a second am I going to discredit the way they train because, you know, Australian distance running is just going through the roof and, you know, it, it's so many, you know, I'm not going to name anyone because I'll leave someone out, but the standard within Australian distance running is just uh, now is absolutely sensational. Jack Rayner, Brett Robinson, bloody Jess Stringer, bloody Eloise Weddings, whatever, you know, there's so many, so many. Um, absolutely sensational and it's better than best era of distance running that we've ever had all right um but reading between the lines i the only thing that really stands out for me is uh when i hear them now talk about the marathon training block okay now i'm going to get into a marathon training block and um whereas you know you've heard me say 52 weeks of the year was our marathon training ball, you know? So, uh, that's the main difference in the school of thought that that I seem to um, see. And and whether, you know, Brett's running Fukuoka next weekend, he might come out and run 2-7, which is fantastic. <laughs> good, luck, good luck to him. Good luck to him. You know? And, um, and, uh, and, and you know, he's, he's got the potential to run that. But, uh, yeah, if you're looking at, if you're telling me what's, what do I see as the main difference is that, is, is the, the, the training block that they talk about now, you know, I just, I just don't quite understand training block. I mean, I'm thinking, well, hmm. you, you're devoting, you're devoting yourself to the
0: marathon. It's 52 weeks a year. Yeah. 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 That's the thing. So do you think perhaps they're racing too much amongst the, uh, you know, shorter events and maybe a focus more so around the marathon entirely no, and then no,
1: no, not, not dropping really. down I mean, where needed. There's, there's,
0: not really. I mean, no, there's there's great benefit
1: in in running, you know, trying to run your best 5K, you know. But, but you know, we always used to think that, you know, run 5K, run 5,000 metres while you're in marathon mode, while you're in marathon training. Because you can, if you're gonna, if you're running sensational over five thousand meters, while you're running all these kilometers, then you're right to go for the marathon. So we 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 used to use five k, three k, as a, an indicator that you know everything's coming together because you because you're running big big kilometer weeks, which are still going, you're still managing to run really well over five k. So you're sort of bringing them, bringing it together, you know. So uh, that was an in, um, indication there. So. I don't think, um, uh, yeah, just just all, all year round. So what was what was the other part of your question? Sorry, I've forgotten now myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to go back and rewind. But um, yeah, so
0: uh, if they race too much,
1: yeah, yeah, right, no, yeah I, racing yeah, too I, much.
0: So like, were you? No, I don't think you know, I these I guys think, are I don't doing a five, five and a three k and a ten k and.
1: Like yeah, you said, there's, good. there's marathon I mean, you got, I, mean, I mean, that's all good. I mean, you're a distance runner, and that's what it's all about. I mean, it's not all about training. It's all about, um, uh, you know, you got to, you want to get out there and race also. But um, I guess, you know, only backing off occasionally, you know. Main focus is the marathon. Yes, you've got a race coming up. Well, let's back off for 10 days or so, you know. I mean... Uh the example I've often used and I've 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 mentioned this to Mona, but he doesn't quite remember it, but I, I remember it as clear as the day. There used there was this um uh road race in Jakarta back in the day and it was a big money road race, 10K, and uh bloody hot and um all the you used to get all the superstars there and whatever. And um I heard a story that um Mona got invited to this 10k race in Jakarta right and this was at a time when when you know he might have got his bronze at the uh, Commonwealth Games and the marathon in Edinburgh or whatever but you know hadn't run any big marathon big city marathons probably hadn't earned any money might have got a couple of grand here and there whatever wasn't earning any money anyway so I believe he got offered 10 grand to go to Jakarta to run in this 10k race and you know Jakarta you could have been you know up there and back in a few days, you know, ten grand to start, you know, wherever. He said, "No, I'm doing a long run that weekend, right?" So, and that was that was typical, typical of how dedicated he was. And and I, I you know, I, I, I suppose myself to a certain extent that I, I I always looked at mine as being more de- more dedicated, more planned, and more focused than myself. But that's an example of how focused you are when you are a um, your marathon. You're putting all your eggs in the one basket. Someone's dangling 10 grand in front of you, probably 10 grand US too, by the way. So someone's dangling 10 grand in front of you. No, mate, I'm, it's all right. I'm doing a long run that weekend. I'll stay here. Yeah. So that's the that's the dedication. That's the commitment. That's the focus to the marathon.
0: Yeah yeah but that that even seems like what Kipchoge is doing now too when as he's getting older he's still getting faster but he seems to race very uh infrequently through the year and pops up and and, and runs these amazing times so would he be an example of someone do you think that is getting it right obviously he's the fastest but oh yeah he might be
1: he might be conscious of um he might might not want to might not want to um <laughs> Probably doesn't doesn't have to for obvious reasons, you know. He probably owns buddy, twenty resorts in, in <laughs> Kenya. And good luck to him. But um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, as you get older, you uh, and what, what is he thirty seven? As you get older, I think so. Yeah, you know, you you can't you can't you can't race. You don't recover as well. So you know, so he's probably factoring that in. Yeah, he's probably just happy just to sort of stay at home and beef his family, I suppose, because he can, he's all set up financially. And, but you know, they, 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 they're often him some silly amount of money to, to run Berlin or whatever. So he goes, yeah, okay, I'll do that. You know? So um, yeah, I don't know. Just, just, uh, I suppose, um, you know, you can often talk about money and, and how that sort of comes into it, but uh, you know, he's obviously still very focused on uh, running to run world records and whatever. So,
0: you know unbelievable yeah. oh yeah yeah so I guess um for you two sliding into the retirement time of your running like how how did that go particularly coming from running so elite and then how much were you running after the professional running and and you, you know you talked about the mental health side of things was there any challenges there giving up the sported professional level and then how'd that look getting into pcrg and coaching how, how much time was there between that two?
1: Yeah, no, not really. I just sort of got out. I, you know, as you get on the elite side of things, uh, when you are at your prime, um, you know, you, can, you train well and and you race and you, you you feel great and you can you can you know win races and sometimes win races and feel sensational, you know. Uh, but as you get to the end of your career, uh, you go on races and. You're not coming third, fourth, and fifth, and you're working harder than what you did when you used to win the things, you know. So it just becomes a lot harder, and and um, you don't go as well. So for me, it was just a natural thing. Well, you know, I'll just um, I'll just bow out here, you know. Uh, I think I was probably happy to um, keep doing the uh, the local uh, Brisbane scene when uh you know towards the end of my career but I there were I did get crook there and I got some virus and um and and that knocked me around for some time and back you know 20 20 years ago uh so um that sort of sort sort of bridged the gap between you know maybe still having a few races to not racing again yeah yeah so when I got crook and and I just just couldn't run like I'd go out for a run and it was like Put put my foot down it was like I was I hit the wall in the marathon right from the yeah. word go, you know. But yeah. uh, you know I, I got over that. Um, so um, yeah, so uh, yeah, I've never I'm never really struggled with the mental uh, the mental side of um, life, or whatever uh, mental health. But um, yeah, so uh, with the running uh, PCRG, so um, uh, I, I just started off and this triathlete in Brisbane, Troy Fiddler, asked me to uh, take his um, the runners in his triathlon squad for a training session. So I did that for a little while and then um, decided I might just do this myself rather than do it for choice. So I started doing it myself and, and uh, just you know, a few people started coming along and just started to grow. Yeah, so, um, uh, so even, yeah, started to grow. Like when I mentioned before, back in the day, my largest group at one session was 160 people. So the the PCRG uh, dynamic has sort of changed a bit over the years. So, and I think I'm sort of slightly to, or larger to blame for that because I started um, emceeing events, mm. a lot of events. So um, when uh, w- like back in the day, I would get everyone going to events like the Malula Bar Try or the the, the um, Whatever event it was, you know, Gold Coast Marathon, whatever, and um, so I was there. I was there with the, the on the 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 head guy and whatever, and then um, and then when I started MCing the events, well, I wasn't there with my group at the event day. You know what I mean? Mm. So I think um, that sort of uh, the group started to lose focus on let's all do this race together because they go to the race and I wasn't there. I was the guy on the microphone, you know? And um, so PCRG now is, um, it's, it's, uh, you know, people still go on events and we do target the Gold Coast every year, but it's, uh, it's, it's just um, uh, all about friendships, very much about friendships, about going along and having a hard session. So P- the PCRG session itself is an event in itself. Mm. That's why I look at it now. Rather than everyone going, okay, we're all targeting this. Everyone just goes along because that's their that's their park run on a Tuesday, or that's their park run on a Thursday, or park run on a Friday. So, so which I'm fine with. So because I, um, uh, it's just the way that it sort of changed a bit, but uh, um, I still enjoy going along. Struggling a little bit at the moment because I'm I got this buddy Achilles thing going on, but uh, hopefully I'll get on top of that. But um, I don't like running sore, but I'm I'm persevering through it. So um, yeah, so that's uh, then PCRG started. So then I uh, also got into the online coaching. So yeah, uh, I was the um, uh, not to drop the I thing too many times here, but I was the first person, certainly in Australia, to to do online coaching. The only only person I stumbled across that was doing online coaching um, the, uh, was Mark Allen, the uh, uh, Ironman triathlete and he was doing um and so like when i started you know i i sort of i don't even know, know if google was around but
0: yeah, i, I think the internet I, probably I... come in five years prior <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: yeah <laughs> um well internet so it, when did it come in it might have been late oh, 90s, late 90s yeah 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 so i guess it was around when i started the online thing but yeah so i did google uh you know this online thing and I reckon Mark Allen was the only one in the world that I could find that was doing some sort of online thing, you know? And um, so definitely no one in Australia. Definitely no one in Australia was doing it. So, uh, yeah, just started up the online thing. And uh, so that was um, uh, yeah, 20 years ago and still going. So so at the peak time of year, I'd have um, about 160 people online. Uh, I get a lot of clientele out of Gold Coast.
0: Yeah, so yeah. A lot of
1: people, a lot of people now start signing up with me uh, for Gold Coast um, next year. A lot of people they they just sign up with me because they're locking in an event. So uh, yeah, Gold Coast. So yeah. So um, people start set sailing for Gold Coast now or the next month or two. So I get a lot of repeat business. So a lot of people who have been with me over the years, I might not have heard of them for three or four years, and they'll come back and say, "Oh, Pat, you know, remember me? You know." Decided to run Sydney Marathon. Decided to run Melbourne. I'm going
0: to do Gold Coast again. Let's go, you
1: know. So uh, uh, just um, that's what I do with my day. Is, yeah, I was about uh, the to ask thing. how do you
0: manage that all? That that's just between the hours of coaching, then in the day. Yeah, so PCRG is only three mornings a week, so yeah. I'm um,
1: I'm back home at uh, you know seven thirty. So uh, and then online, so um, yeah, just do online. And uh, so basically, um, I'm pretty much just a voice of reason. So if someone signs up me for Gold Coast, I'll send them a 30 week program. I'll lay it out uh, with um, prompts to get back to me. If they don't hear from them, I'll follow them up and uh, lock in events. In like, I like to lock in events, short-term goals. And so we just leapfrog from short-term goal one short-term goal to the next one. And uh, they get back to me with results from sessions and uh, you know adjust the program if they've been crook or whatever so, um, some people I'll send a program, uh some people I will never hear from again, other people I hear from every day, <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah, so um you know and and, and people in between yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's definitely the the running scene out there is definitely uh improved and increased recreationally, like you talk about when you were starting running as a young adult and teenager like there was no one out there and then when you started pat there was no groups like you you were literally the first brisbane group like how how has it changed do you think from your point of view and what sort of groups started to come in like was in training a group that popped up in the late or mid 2000s and then you know we talk about guys like chris gale and gale force group coming in there Yeah. yeah
1: no i think i think in training was uh steve in training was always around but i don't think I don't, Steve didn't uh, start putting in his energy into in training. Uh, certainly not when I was doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe a few years after me, he had his shop going, but I don't think he was putting a lot of energy into the running side of things. And then he started to do a marathon school or whatever. So I think I might have started a little bit before Steve. He was doing the online thing, but he wasn't putting as much energy as what I was into um, the running group uh yeah chris gale came along um park run i think changed a lot for me so uh um a lot of people started going to park run uh the Burt squad uh started up Mm. it's probably not that not having gone for that long um yeah just different sort of groups uh started popping up but um uh you know one actually one thing i will mention is um I don't know if this is this is relevant to your question you just asked, but I just thought I would share this with you is um, you know talking about and before about getting back to um, how people train now. Uh, and And you know we we used to just run long in our long runs and just mucking around, hanging shit off each other or whatever. Just doing stupid shit, but we'd get the job done and we'd run hard over the hills, or whatever. Uh, no idea what place we're running at. So I, you know, paddle on the Brisbane River and um, I often observe groups of runners coming along, uh, New Farm there, whatever. So I'll observe them running along that stretch at um, New Farm there from the Bowls Club to wherever, and four or five of them. And, you know, every Few steps up comes the arm, you know. Up comes the arm to see what pace on that, whatever. And um, you know how they don't get RSI um, from doing that is beyond me, you know. And I, I think I'm just wondering if um, you know we got the the dopamine thing right with the. Um, this is my theory, the dopamine thing with the social media. You know, people. I mean, I'm guilty of that. I, I try to leave my phone or whatever, but you know, oh gotta gotta check Facebook, gotta check Instagram, see what's going on, whatever, and you you're just sort of some sort of um, addiction or whatever, you know. And and I think that the uh the, the watches, as great as they do have their purpose, I think that they have um, disrupted the ability for a group of people to just go out and go for a run. I think that um, you know, and and people are addicted to checking their pace, and so uh, you, you know, you got a question. Well, why why are you out on this run with the group of people, or why are you out on a run by yourself? Are you just um, wanting to make sure you're doing such and such so that your Strava looks great when you up, when it gets uploaded or whatever, um, you know? Why not just leave, you know, the watch at home, or just turn it off, the pacing thing, or whatever, and just enjoy going out for a run? So I don't, I don't seem it's Just I'm. I don't want to sound like a cynic here, but I do think that if we're talking about change, and you know, obviously you want to talk to me about, you know, what's the difference between back then and back now, is um, I, I think that I, I well, from my observation, I do see groups of. Some elite runners uh, in in Brisbane, on well, the money in Brisbane, looking at their watch all the bloody time when they're out in the training run with their mates. You know, what's why are you doing that? You know I mean? mm. it's be, and is it because is because of a a chemical or whatever they want to be released? Their brains going, hang on, mate, it's like a smoke. You know, hang on, mate, it's been it's been three minutes, <laughs> I need another hit, need another hit. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I think yeah. it's perhaps a, just a like a trust issue in themselves that they can't hold a certain pace to feel and maybe you like but they're running but they're running
1: but they're running in a group of people they're running in a group of people
0: Yeah. Like, you know yeah like are they are they just mucking around
1: and chatting or are they just just talking about what pace they're running at you know um, yeah. I, mean, I don't know just, yeah. just um i think that you see, I mean i i guess we're all everyone's built differently like i i ran because i enjoyed running whereas um uh, I think there's people involved in distance running now that are into it more from a gizmo perspective than in than in something that's natural to them. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. I certainly think there's an enjoyment aspect of it. Simply just put the time on the on the watch, time of day or the elapsed time, and just enjoy the run. But then also performance. I personally feel seeing the the splits during a race to be uh, these days, not beneficial at all. If it's too quick, I want to slow down. If it's too slow, I feel like oh, I'm having an off day. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. I
1: mean, I, I, I might be the opposite there. I think that's where the benefit could come into it. You know, like if yeah. you, um, you know, you set yourself a, a realistic goal pace, and if, um, you know, if you, if you're training smart, then you, you know, the writing's on the wall as to what the maximum is that you can maintain for that race. So. And if you look at your watch and you're going fifteen seconds a kilometer quicker than than what you know you you, you hope to run, well, you're not going to maintain that you know you you might run a might have a blinder out again, but majority of the time, if you go out quicker than um than your ability, then you know the last third's going to be pretty ugly yeah, yeah yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. so i can certainly i can certainly see the advantages of wearing a sat nav watch in um when you're doing your reps and training or your measured reps and training and also when you're doing your races uh, for for someone who is um going for a um, uh, a a, a, um, a certain time i mean even at the elite end uh, you know no sat navs what in my day but I would um, time myself uh, the kilometre. So the, you have to go, I hope to go at the kilometre markers in the right place, but I would, I would go lap split on my watch. And, you know, if the race started, Gold Coast Marathon, the race has started, and I uh, started my watch, first kilometre, you've just run, you know, 259. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd back off. I'd back off because I just know there's no way in the world I'm going to maintain 259 kilometres for um, 42K. So yeah. uh I very much um looked at my watch uh
0: pace in a in a marathon. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh so heading um, into Unless unless Yeah, you go, sorry. Unless
1: I unless I unless I was in a marathon where I was you know, running well within myself. Like if I was in a I don't know, if I was in a two hundred fourteen marathon or something, you know, and I'm dancing out the front, it's is pretty cruisy. Well I wouldn't be worried about. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, yeah.
0: Hey. uh Firstly, what are you? What are your plans personally with with the running and this injury, and how how's that going to look in the next couple years for you? And personally, and then also PCRG. Oh, yeah. What are the plans with the group moving forward?
1: Yeah, I'm uh, no end date, so I still enjoy uh, uh, PCRG a great deal. Uh, just the last, just the last few weeks, I've just been sore, and. Um, with my Achilles. And, uh, uh, I, um, had that one operated on 20 years ago and, um, but I've been to see Brad beer at the Gold Coast and the school of thought now is with, um, this sort of injury is, uh, you don't rest it. You just got to keep working it. And, um, and so I'm at the gym, I'm doing some strength training at the gym. So, uh, it's going to be a long uh, process. It's not going to be a few weeks. It might be a few months or six months before I'm back. Feeling like my old self, so uh, just got to grip my teeth. A bit of a challenge, but uh, you know, I, I did get forty years <laughs> out of my. Well, I, I got I got another. I mean, I had operated, I had on twenty years ago, so I got I got twenty years out of it since I was operated on. But yeah, so with um, this particular injury, back in the day that operated, but now it's obviously someone's done a PhD or whatever, and they have examined certain people and worked out that hang on, we, we got to actually load this injury and and make it stronger rather than just rest it and operate it on it so that's where i'm at now yeah.
0: yep and and the group pcrg you uh any particular races that you guys was it so widespread now that you cover the year and and the yeah so it's, it's always I, like, I yeah. like
1: i mentioned before you know i i look upon pcrg itself as an event itself so mm-hmm. um and uh but i certainly do uh, encourage Everyone to take part in the Gold Coast every year, so that's the um, the one that I'm passionate about. So a bit a group of, of uh, about ten of PCIG members went and ran Queenstown yesterday morning, which was great oh, to see. Yeah,
0: yeah, saw that. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: so that was I was very proud of the girls and one guy who went over there. So um, uh, they instigated that themselves, which is fantastic. Uh, but um, I think Gold Coast is the one thing that I uh, try and get everyone up for every year
0: yeah yeah excellent hey we'll finish mm. with some listener questions and then some of mine if you've listened to any previous episodes or not these are quick fire meant to be answered uh with a sentence so we'll wrap things up shortly hopefully oh, yeah, no <laughs> all right uh so this is from nate w uh he's a pretty avid listener of the the podcast and this i reckon this uh question might not be too too relevant to you when did you first break a sub three hour Marathon. How much did it mean to you? I think your first marathon would have been quicker than that by a bit, wouldn't it? No, it was my first. No,
1: it was my first marathon.
0: Um, hang on, you there? Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was my first marathon. So I ran two forty eight.
0: Two forty eight. So, um, yeah. Nineteen eighty three. Eighty three. And was that a big milestone to break the three straight away? Yeah, uh, I was. Uh, you said you
1: said one word answers, mate. Um, it was uh, one <laughs> sentence. Yeah, it was. It's the only time I've been emotional uh, at the end of a marathon. Um, uh, So uh, it it was um, great memories of... uh, I I cried when I uh, finished. And it's the only time that I've done that in a a race. Yeah. So it's pretty special.
0: Yeah. Brandon Demers, favourite shoe of all time before the Super Shoes. What was your favourite shoe ever? Yeah,
1: well, I'm... I, I can't comment on the super shoes, but uh, it would be the uh, Wave Rider, Mizuno Wave Rider. So um, uh, I, I did have, um, I, I remember best uh, marathon and half marathon in a, um, uh, I won't say the brand because I'm, I'm very much uh, well supported by um, uh, Mizuno, but there's those people who want to do their research. This particular shoe didn't have laces, it had a, um, a uh, it was called a pump and um, you put a, um, a gun in uh, an insert on the shoe and it blew up uh, the um, area above uh, your foot. So that's what made the shoe tight was when you put, you had to, and you had to put bloody um, canisters in there and you put the, the gun on your shoe and, um, and your, your shoe got tighter because you put this thing in there. So that was, and I don't know where they are. I wish to God I still had them and, um, you know, just for memorabilia, And I've I've somehow thrown them out out, uh, at one point in time. I don't have the bloody things anymore.
0: (laughs) All right. Clay Dawson. Uh, You know Clay pretty well.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, He's asking about the jackets, the announcing jackets. What's the story behind them? They're quite Larry.
1: Yeah. um, I don't know how I... Oh, yeah. I was um, going up to the uh, Sunshine Coast Marathon one year and uh, we stopped at... um, a place halfway up, uh, what's that? That pub up there, Edamonga pub, is it? Or yeah, that yeah, one that's stop there. Anyway, there's a used to be a fancy dress shop there, and um, and I walked past there and um, I was walking with a friend of mine, and and she looked at the jacket, the suit, and we she and I just said to her, What do you reckon? She said, Yeah, because she we were both going up uh, sunshine, and we and she sort of we both want the same wavelength, like. You gotta wear this. You gotta wear this. Anyway, so it was a loud suit. So uh I contacted Jason the day before and I said, Jason, I've got this loud suit, mate. I said, What do you reckon I wear it tomorrow? He said, Yeah, mate, go for it, that'd be great. So um just wore the loud suit. And um so I um, I've had a few over the years and but I do actually um I enjoy wearing it because it it's um I, I don't know, a bit of a Superman or whatever. It sort of seems to transform me a bit. I feel a bit different, and a bit um, I can get into it a bit more. And uh, it's great for photos. So when um, you know people, I get a photo of people, and I got the jacket on or whatever. It's a great, great look. Photos look good, and when people are in fancy dress, and uh, and I'll get a crazy looking suit on, and that looks pretty cool. So yeah, I don't don't have any problems. Uh, I enjoy enjoy wearing it. Yeah. I ordered one, I ordered one recently just by the by and um didn't turn up and it came it was coming from Bloody the Netherlands and um contacted this guy and I said mate my bloody suit hasn't turned up. And I, and I contacted him every day and I said, just give him my just give my money back and he got my money back, which is fine, got my money back. Suit turned up a week later.
0: <laughs> so I got the suit. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. uh, these, these are my final questions. These are these are the real quick ones, Pat. Ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, All yeah. right, favourite section of the Brizzy River to run on? Uh, yeah,
1: I don't know. <laughs> Bloody hell. Um, uh, above, above the cliffs at uh, Cangri Point.
0: Yeah, favourite coaching session with PCRGs There a cycle that you do? There's a session in there that you love to coach?
1: Yeah, uh, probably the uh, one minute efforts down at uh, Riverside Drive, Davies Park.
0: Yeah, great spot there. Um, What what about as an athlete, your favourite session that you used to to do? Uh, 1K reps. Okay, biggest running rival over the years, would it be uh, Mono?
1: Yeah, yeah, it'd be Mono, Lloydy. Uh, If you're talking Australia, Mono, uh, Lloydy. Uh, Deke, I had a couple of um, races against Deke, but I was sort of more towards the end of his career. Uh,
0: but I did uh, compete against
1: him a number of times. But more, more mono, Andrew Lloyd.
0: Okay, favorite song to play on the guitar.
1: Ah, uh, the moment, um, classical gas. I enjoy doing that. Um, but after that, uh, I mean, there's just a million of them. So uh, you know, what am I playing at the moment? Uh, Layla,
0: um, Eric Clapton. So yeah, the list is endless. There's no favorite one. I just love it. Okay, big question. This who's who's your biggest like running idol or inspiration of all time? Whether they they're younger, or you ran with them, or older.
1: Yeah, no, no secrets there. So, Dick. So, um, yeah. I wouldn't have um, I wouldn't have achieved or had the life that I've had uh, without if he wasn't there because he inspired me, and um, I was even at an event one time at. Um, so we all get together at uh, after the Gold Coast marathon every year and and we all sort of piss in each other's pockets and and um, or talk about how good, good we were or good the others were or whatever. And uh, we'll talk about the event, talk about Cam Hart and and uh, which is, is a fantastic event, so I thank Cam and whatever. But there was one time there I actually in front of everyone I got I got emotional and um, which I don't mind saying I, I got physically emotional. When I um, addressed Rob, and just wanted him to uh, uh, want to acknowledge what a, what an impact he'd had on my life, and um, and everything that I achieved or the life I uh, had in running at the top end uh, wouldn't have existed if if he uh, hadn't um, been uh, a role model. So um, and he was very embarrassed by it, um, and I embarrassed myself somewhat on that afternoon, but. Um, I think looking back, probably people, people probably understood.
0: Yeah. Okay, last one. Uh, running, you, you obviously you're a big enthusiast, coach, athlete. You read about it, you online program about it, you listen to it. What does running mean to you? Uh, peace. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That's all yeah. you need. One word. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Pat, thanks it's for like, coming
1: uh, on. It's hey? like- yeah. It's like John Lennon. They asked John Lennon. Teacher asked John Lennon, What do you want to do when you grow up? He said, I want to be happy. And the teacher said to him, Well, you'll never amount to anything, will you? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh it's almost two hours with me sitting here. And um I could certainly go longer and I'm sure that you could talk forever too, but we'll uh wrap it up so the listeners can engage for a time that will be realistic. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, we'll, yeah. of course, be in touch. I feel like I'm almost like Pat Carroll sitting next to uh, Deeks back in the day, a bit starstruck uh, today. Uh, I got to know you oh, early well. on through, through dad. And and then yeah. I hadn't actually known how good of a runner you were as a kid. I was too young to comprehend that. And I got to understand mm. that as a young coach myself and runner. And now I'm sitting here talking to you. So I really appreciate you coming on here and, and sharing all things, particularly around the marathon uh, and what running means to you.
1: Oh, I appreciate you having me on your show, mate, and uh, keep up the good work.